Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers with Mark Sapores and Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, thank you so much for joining us once again. Hi everyone, hopefully you've had a great week and started to master isolation. Well, obviously we're still in a, a quite a challenging situation, Shane. We're a long, long way away from each other, but uh, hopefully we're bringing people in touch with the game and keeping people in touch with the game in tennis. That's the whole purpose. I think we, we can all learn a lot from this period um, and I think uh, by the end of it, we're, there's going to be a few different ways to communicate and learn that we're all going to take forward. Absolutely, and obviously we're brought to you by the Tennis Menu and Data Driven Sports Analytics to obviously uh, Tennis Menu is uh, my website at the moment where we're doing a lot of development-based activities and you do a lot of your uh, data and uh, obviously analysis of the game, which is fantastic. And hopefully people can take a lot from what we both do and uh, be able to use that in their own tennis and their own coaching and uh, in their own development, I guess, from this day on. And look, today we thought we'd, we'd dive into a little bit of a topic, Shane, which probably is close to our hearts because we've just sort of come off the Australian Open period where we had some great success with Nicholas David Ionel from, from Romania. And uh, he won the Australian Open boys doubles and has gone on to do some fantastic things, obviously, with his game. And look, at this stage, you know, he's He's 500-odd in, in the ATP rankings at the age of 17. He's almost top 10 in the world in juniors. And we used a lot of the data that you obviously um, brought to me, which I thought was really good to be able to obviously get his game to another level. So do you want to talk us through our topic today of knowing your player through data? Yeah, thanks, Mark. And I think it's good to perhaps start with the information that... Uh, Data-driven sports analytics has a match library of over 2,000 matches, particularly from the last four years. Um, it's at various levels, so ATP, WTA, Challengers, Futures, even college tennis. And, and this is not just a video library. The data from those matches is collated into a database that, that I've built, and that is perhaps the starting point in terms of when I'm working with a player, I'll look to that to see do I have anything on them already? My aim is to, to get about 50 matches on a player before working with them, but that, that's not feasible in every instance. With David, unfortunately, we didn't have any to in our database to start with. So I had to, to go and acquire 15 matches and then had to annotate them using a custom tagging panel. And I think just on the, the tagging part, the focus really is on the key events that, that I, I know that the coach is looking for, but also tagging in a manner that the information can go into the database and, and be useful for further reporting analysis work or down the track as well we do some predictive analytical work and to make sure that we're tagging the right information to be able to do all of that down the track touched on the fact that there's a dashboard so i've built a dashboard that sits on top of the the database so every time a match goes into that database the dashboard updates with the information um, and a coach can actually log in and see a dynamic report so they can filter what they want get a pdf or or some coaches who are not quite it's comfortable using a dashboard they prefer me to send them a pdf of static data on their player i just want to stress here this report really is just a conversation starter it's a report from me to the coach saying here's your player from a data perspective let's talk the important part about what we do before we sort of get working with a player similar to what we did with david shane is 
obviously we want to get as much knowledge of this athlete as we possibly can. You know, for me as a coach, I need to know what this player does really well and what they can really improve on because, you know, you can have an opinion and I think data really makes sure that we can um, take the opinion out of what we do and make it more realistic, but then also understand where the data comes from and why it is actually happening. I think is there's the two, there's the the data, which is the science, and there's the art of what we do with the data that are the two most important things when we do this sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, throughout our podcasts and, and various social media, um, you, you'll see that we, we use that art science needing to be together to, to deliver that holistic message and also enable that interpretation to be better for, for the athlete. Absolutely. I think what we'll do is we wanted to talk a little bit about how you went about this specific work we did with David. And basically from the word go, when David was, I was talking to David and negotiating our deal um, and looking at how we sort of are going to work together. You were doing the work in the background and it was quite it was quite funny because I hadn't even come to terms or, or agreements with the, with the management and the family and, and you'd done so much work already on, on David and his game. Do you want to take us through the kind of thing you did and what you gave me? Yeah, and, and I think that, that situation was maybe a little bit unique because I think it was only, only on match day, on, on his first match day, that we, we knew for sure that we were working with him. But with the work we do, the t- timing's really important. So when there was even a rumour that we were potentially working, I, I had to start at that point, particularly because David being a junior, that not having a big presence on the ATP Challenger Tour at that stage, there just wasn't a lot of matches that we'd already got in our database. Uh, I had to start from scratch really with him so uh, as I mentioned before there, there was a video tagging work but then I think it's a matter of using the data from there so had to look at things like well what was his preference on serving what was his you know return position where did he like to go on 30 all how was he doing in the naught to four the five to eight and nine plus rally categories you know how was he starting matches? So there was a whole lot of, and um, the list that I just mentioned isn't exhaustive, but trying to bring all of that together in a succinct report. And then really, even once I send that report to Mark, it's about discussing that and making sure both of us are clear in terms of interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the, that's probably the key to, to um, utilizing data or a data analyst like yourself and then obviously the coach, because I think it's a matter of collaboratively coming up with what is needed and what is next. So, you know, there was... A, certain thing and I'll I'll go through it here is you gave me some return to serve patterns of David and you gave me this data that said that when he's on the juice side when he returns forehand down the line he has more success I looked at that and went yeah that's that's really good that to me is not the right pattern I want him to play he might win a lot of points in that situation but generally he's probably hitting the ball late because of his grips and his swing lines or his court position or making him play down the line it's not a conscious effort to go down the line. So we had to collaborate the data with the thoughts and the art together and make sure that we didn't just say, well, the data says that down the line is the most successful spot. We're going to go there. There's always a reason why that happens. And it could have been just, you know, obviously the late return of serve and the, the servant wasn't ready for it or whatever it might've been. But I think it's important to make sure that, you know, the data matches up with the game style of the player and the patterns of play that you want them to play as well. Yeah, I think that's a really big point, Mark, because the data that we had there was historical data. It's not necessarily where you want the player to be in two, three, four years' time. So that was a clear indication where, yes, he historically had success playing a certain way, but if if he wanted his game to be robust and hold up as he went through the levels, we needed to change something. And that really was only figured out when we sort of talked to each other and had that vision for the future. Well, one of the 
one of the major things I think you gave me in this situation, when you did the research, you gave me this research around his starting of matches. Now, he's obviously starting of matches. You gave me research that he was winning only 0.8 of a game in the first four games of every match. What does that mean to you in data terms? Generally, that means you're down a break, if not two breaks. In terms of scoreline, it's it's either 3-1 or 4-0. So uh, he's immediately on the back foot. And I suppose there was a couple of things. So that, that's the scoreline. But we also dug a little bit deeper and, and to try and understand why. And his first serve numbers were a bit lower. He was hitting more unforced errors. He, his return positions were, were not really consistent with the way he returned the rest of the match. So there were all those elements. But again, the art and science approach that we took identified, yes, there was some data things that we could fix, but there were other parts which physically, mentally were required to try and alleviate that negative start. Yeah, and I think that's where the, the two art and science came in because I felt like his pre-match preparation was really poor, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts. And we had to make sure the pre-match was sorted to make sure he was ready to play those first four games from a physical and mental perspective. That was one thing. But also you were right. I think the serve data for me was the most important. So what I didn't know about David was he didn't like to serve first because he felt really nervous in the first game. So every time he served first, he lost a service game. And basically we had to work out why he was doing that, why he thought like that. He tried to hit every serve full speed in the first two or three games as opposed to serving for patterns and looking for plus one. So we totally changed the thought around trying to hit aces to trying to serve to a pattern and then utilize his strengths on the second ball. And that was another little element of that because I felt like you gave me data based around if David hit three forehands in a point, he won the point. 93% of the time. And without knowing that data, I wouldn't have been able to grab the patterns and go, hey, David, this is what you historically have done. This is what we need to do to play our best tennis. So that data for me helped us obviously to be able to create a winning game plan in those first four games. A few things as well. So um, obviously at this stage, largely the communication is still between me and you. So the coach and the the analyst. um, And I know you drip feeded bits and pieces to David, particularly more around the video, I think. But maybe you want to tell our viewers, I suppose, how much of it you were using at this stage, David. It's interesting because data can be one of those things where like you look online right now and (laughs) there is so many data analysts out there throwing all these numbers, throwing everything at you. You know, this is what the amount of rallies are, how many percentage of zero to four, and this is where you win most of your points. These are successful patterns of play. But what do you use and what don't you? And that's the art of what you do as a coach. Most players can only accept one, maybe two bits of information at a time. So every single day I drip fed one bit of information. And then the next day I would reinforce that bit of information. And if he was ready, I would layer the next bit of information to him. And I think it's about layering your messaging, which is really critical to the data, uh, data filtering as well. You take the data, you use one, you practice it that day, you see how it is the next day, you reinforce it. If it's still not quite where you want it, you continue with that. If it's good or if he understands it, you drip feed the next little part in, then you reinforce the next day and you drip feed again. And that's how basically it sort of looks from a coaching perspective. And I think a lot of coaches out there try and do it all at once. Even players, they go, oh, I'm going to grab all this information. I'm going to utilize all this. It's very hard to do that. So I think it's a matter of drip feeding for sure. Uh, I want to look at, let's take a look at the first four shots of the match with David. I think that was the next element. And we talk about data. Do you want to just go through, Shane? What are the um, rally lengths? Obviously, you did a great graphic for me for a presentation I'm doing at the moment. The rally lengths of zero to four, 
five to eight, nine plus, and then the amount of time that those points uh, are played for. So the, the zero to four was, was roughly, I think, 67% of the time. And it's usually around the four to five second mark that the rally length there. So what that tells us is that's where the majority of the points are played. So I think it was big as well, going back to the David example, he on serve was winning only 68% of the naught to four. And then on return, he was winning only 20% of the naught to four. So that was a key area for us immediately to go, well, what's going wrong in that naught to four? Um, and part of it was he wasn't getting returns back into play. Part of it was perhaps he was returning too close to the lines and not trying to attack through the middle of the court. You can probably go into a bit more detail on what we did there. To me, that stood out the most with David and especially this example that we're utilizing today. Knowing that 67% of points finished within four shots and seeing his rate of, it was around about the 40 or 5 or 50%, he was only winning in the zero to four ratio overall. That that was never going to win him a match and it wasn't going to make him win consistently in matches so we had a massive focus of those first four shots uh, in practice so everything we did in practice was based around aggressive um, having an intent having a mindset of those first four shots I'm going I'm going for it so basically we served to spots and used the first shot as a forehand and on return we returned middle and then took first strike on the forehand as much as we could that was our focus in our practice sessions as much as we possibly could and we tried to focus in on those first four short sharp first five seconds of point play that we possibly could do I knew he was a great endurance athlete didn't have to do a lot of work on the endurance points the nine pluses and you know seven eight nine ten balls was okay it was that starting point where his mindset and his game just wasn't on. So we, we changed his training to really replicate those first four to five seconds of play. That to me, Shane, was probably the biggest difference and it has been in a lot of players that I've worked with over the last sort of couple of years has been the biggest change in getting successful athletes as opposed to athletes that just can go out there and play. And just to end on that, so the 15 matches, are the, that data that I gave you was before he played and since then he's winning overall close to 56% of the 0 to 4 points. So that's a significant improvement in that part of his game. That sort of 10% improvement has has seen him excel and obviously win a future in Greece since that time and obviously just changed his mindset around playing the faster points better, uh, the shorter points better, which is a, a huge thing. Just finally, just wanted to touch on, we talk a lot about winning that zero to four ratio and obviously we looked at what do we percentage-wise need to win in the zero to four ratio for us to be successful in matches? Because obviously that's where almost 70% of points are finished. And this is a really big stat for a lot of people out there to really focus in on. No, I think we, we touch on this almost weekly. And it's a, it's a really important point that we do want to stress because it's such a, a huge proportion of the overall points in a match. From data that I've collected in the data-driven sports analytics database, so this is 2,000 plus matches. The 0-4 category is 67.4% of overall points in a match. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big proportion. And for the Global Tennis Summit that Mark was doing a presentation, I actually gave him some scenarios which sort of used a hypothetical player or hypothetical scenarios where a player would win, let's say, 30% of their 0-4 60% of their five to eight, 80% of nine and above, what's their sort of total winning, point winning percentage? And, and in that first scenario, a lot of people thought, okay, that's great. That's something that they'd, um, you know, put money in and sign up to that scenario, but you only win 42% of points. So in 99 out of 100 matches, you probably lost that match. And then to sort of flip it in another scenario where you're winning 60% of your not to four, but you're only winning 30% 
of your five to eight and 30% of your nine and above, if you manage to win 60% in the nought to four, you're winning over 50% of your total points in the match and you're probably a winner. So it's, again, something we gravitate to, but it's something really important that you focus your attention on areas that you can maximize the most benefit. It's just over half the amount of points really, isn't it? Like it's pretty incredible that you can think that way. If we as coaches and players can really structure our training based around those first four shots, we're obviously going to have a better understanding of how to win matches and being more successful. Yeah. And obviously this is a, a process that you and I work together on and it's quite easy to have a data analyst and a coach working together. But even if you're out there, get as much data as you can on your athletes. Make sure you understand them before you make any kind of thoughts uh, around game planning or great game structure because if you don't know your player first, it's going to be extremely hard to plan for your matches and plan patterns of play and, and have a successful outcome for your athletes. So, and the other thing that I wanted to mention just to finish off is it's really important to, I guess, merge the art and the science. It's not one, it's not the other. Grab the data, utilize just the little bits and pieces that you need, the little gold nuggets that are in that data, and don't have to use every single number that you find in your in your data and analytics. And I know that, that it's not music to your ears, Shane, when I tell you that you know you put a, hours and hours of work into data, and then I use two or three things. But I think it's I think it's really important that we. Sorry, uh, my life. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really important that we uh, obviously for us is just use the gold nuggets because players can't digest too much information all at once. To the the data analysts or the data scientists working in teams, and I just want to stress to you that the information will not be wasted. I think you capture that and the analysis will still be there. And at some point down the track, that analysis might be useful. And it may be you need a block of six six months or three months or, or, or something to actually sit down, work through what are the actionable insights from that analysis. But don't be disheartened that the coach doesn't immediately use some of the work. And, and I, I can say from my experience with Mark, there's a lot, a lot of times where a lot of analysis work goes in and he'll just pick out two things and you feel like, well, okay, well, I just spent so much time. But it's, it's an important part in the process um, to, to understand that the analysis is really important and useful that you, you do that um, and you do that you know, accurately and um, with robust sort of mathematical techniques, but also understand that not all of it will be used at that specific time. So this podcast was really looking at getting an understanding of a player with data and it's almost that precursor, the initial sort of data collection work that you do to set the scene. Next week on our podcast, we're going to start to go through what happens in a tournament and how we sort of use data for game planning and, you know, tournament review and things like that. Shane, as usual, thanks so much for your input and what you do for for tennis but also for myself as a coach out there and obviously at data-driven sports analytics you can find all all of Shane's research puts it up there he's all over the place it's fantastic to read and obviously uh even even though I sort of speak to you a lot Shane I do learn a lot from what you post on social media so thanks for the work you do thanks Mark and see you next week yeah thanks again you've uh just joined us again on crunching the numbers for another episode that was knowing your player through data and uh You can find me on the Tennis Menu at thetennismenu.com or all over social media. And uh, really appreciate you listening in and hopefully you've taken something from this podcast. And we hope to continue to bring you uh, all the latest in uh, tennis data and keep you sane in these tough times, obviously, going through COVID-19. Please stay safe, stay healthy. See you next week. You've been listening to Crunching the Numbers. Make sure you subscribe to receive all the First Serve podcast.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.